Welcome. You are now listening to the Anything Goes podcast with your hosts, Greg and Alex. This is Mecca, and you're listening to the Anything Goes podcast. We're talking about Check, check. One, two, one, two, three, five, twelve, fourteen. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Anything Goes Podcast. I am one half your host, Greg, a.k.a. Crazy Greg, a.k.a. Pooh Bear. And we are joined by... Alex. What's up? What is up? So, uh, today we got another brand new interview episode mm-hmm. with Mr. Jeff Crespi. And we talk about... Oh yeah. Underrated starting line. Oh, big time. Yeah. It's it's one of my favorites. It is, me too. Yeah. It really, really, really is. Yeah. It like randomly like <laughs> recently in the past like six or seven years, like just like grew on me. Not yeah. six, seven years, like five years. Just like grew on me. Alright, well from day one ish. Yeah. I just always, like, I never, like, realized how good it actually mm. was, and then I just did. But, uh, this, this song is dedicated to Jeff himself, yes. and it's basically about smiling for pictures and never taking it for granted, and mm-hmm. just always loving when someone says, hey, want to take a picture? I know you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Jeff does. Yeah. He's, uh, he's well known in the, uh... New Jersey music scene because mm-hmm. he's pretty much at all the yeah. concerts yeah. and shows and festivals mm-hmm. and he's right up there up against the stage taking pictures of not only the bands but the fans and the venue and security and just everything everyone. yeah everyone and everything it's awesome and the thing I love about Jeff is that one he's always super respectful to Everyone, no matter who you are, important. If you are the lead singer or the drummer or the bartender or just a fan or mm-hmm. whoever, super respectful, and he has a love and passion for music that we do. Yeah, and I've always kind of like had that respect for him because of that because right. he was always at shows, always doing his thing and just did it the right way. Right, and he tells us all about it from how he got started mm-hmm. and a lot of fun. Awesome yeah. stories. He's seen a lot, done a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just think about this, right? Okay. I'm not going to tell you which way it goes. Okay. But think about being at a concert, mm-hmm. right? Right up there by the stage. One of your favorite bands. <laughs> one of like your hero, idol, front men okay. of the band. Right. <laughs> and this singer during the show and the set keeps looking over at you mm-hmm. and keeps looking and keeps looking and kind of goes security and like is kind of looking at you and stops to show to talk about you. Right. And now, Could that be good? the greatest thing <laughs> or the worst thing? Right. And You'll find out. <laughs> listen to the interview because, man, is this a good one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's towards the end of it. So make sure you tune in. Mm-hmm. 
because it's an awesome story. And, and just everything yeah. leading up to it in the interview is great. Yeah. And if you love music, you're going to love this interview. Right, definitely. For sure. And uh, yeah, so Jeff is Jeff Crespi Rocks. That's his tagline, and it works. It makes sense. <laughs> and he just takes photographs of every band, no matter who they are, how big, how small, starting out, big time. doesn't matter. He loves yeah, it. It's awesome. I would have I liked to do that. I was big into photography when I was like in high school. Yeah. And I wish I would have stuck with it. Really well, you, you started it. I did. And you I did. wish I would have stuck with it. Yeah. I so. actually have a little, like, one show of experience. Yeah, I did two. You do, I, I think, think two. two. Yeah. yeah. So I used to work for a magazine. Right. Broken Records magazine. Right. Yeah. A buddy of mine ran it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, Greg, do you want to, you know, write some reviews for the magazine? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure. And I did some interviews with different bands and artists and musicians and we would go to some, you know, we always went to concerts. So right. <laughs> we would go and we would just write up reviews of what songs they sang and how it was and the crowd and this and that. And just the overall experience of the concert. Yeah. And there was twice where he was like, hey, there's, you know, I know you guys are going in to review and I'm able to get photo passes. Do you want? It's awesome. And of course, why not? You know, yeah. and especially at the time, during the time you were big into like huge into doing that. So, yeah. yeah. So I let you go and do it. And you got some good shots of the bands. I did. Yeah. Some, it's funny how, like, because so it was twice. The first time, the band was, like, so cool. And they would kind of, like, be like, all right, let me hold this pose for a second to make sure these people get the shot. Yeah, they kind of played into you. They did. And they yeah. would, like, come close and stuff like that. And that might have just been how they were in general, even with the fans. But it was cool for me. The second time, they kind of just, like, did their thing and just, like, were really fast. And I was like, oh, this is tough. How do, how do photographers get, like, really good shots of right. like this? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I wish I would have stuck with it, though, because I feel like I would have been decent. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It yeah. is. And way more goes into it than you would Yeah, think. that's what I'm saying. Like, it is yeah. way harder than just standing there and taking a picture because, like, the lighting is really weird. So you have to make sure all the settings are correct and... It changes as, you know, when you're at a show, the lights go up, they go down, you know, all these different things. Yeah, so. and Jeff actually talks about that in the interview. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And just, one, you know, how bands are just yeah. so unpredictable of exactly. what they're going to do on stage and right. where they're jumping and where they're running and mm-hmm. this and that. And also every venue is different. Yeah. And the lighting and some bands use smoke machines, some oh, don't, man, just yeah. so many different factors that go into it. So yeah. it's, it's crazy to think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I mean, we, I had so much in common with Jeff. Yeah. From yes, you do. <laughs> using concerts to his days playing softball. That's right. Which I'm, I'm still out there doing it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, hey, Jeff, whenever you're ready to dust those cleats off, <laughs> grab that glove and uh, let's make it come back one time. Right. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> softball is like big time. Yeah. But hey, that's another topic for another episode. That's right. That we're going to do. Right now we're talking about his yeah. work. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it because it's a great interview. I want you guys to hear it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, check him out, Jeff Crespi Rocks. If you go to any concert in the tri-state area, mainly New Jersey, uh, New York, in the city, you have seen Jeff for yeah. sure. And you've seen his photography. I was going to say, you've probably seen his pictures. And yeah. You didn't even realize. It, for sure. You know. Yep. So anytime you see that tagline of jeff crespi rocks this is the man right here that's right so uh check out the interview hit him up let him know you heard it on the anything goes podcast with greg and alex because mm-hmm. uh you know he loves it he does he loves just interacting and talking to people yeah and he's a great guy 
I'm a fan. Me too. So this is a long time coming. Glad mm. we finally did it. Yeah. And anything else before we get into this interview? Mm, no. Don't take photographers for granted. For sure. A lot of work goes into that camera. There you go. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So, all right. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Hit us up. Let us know what you want us to do for the 2022 year, and we'll make it happen. Yeah. All right. So once again, Jeff, thanks so much for doing the interview. Appreciate it. Know you're a busy man. Yeah. You took the time out. So here we go. Jeff Crespi, Anything Goes Podcast. Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of the Anything Goes Podcast. So uh, we have a real special one today, at least real special to me and Alex and everyone else out there in the music scene. We have Jeff Crespi here. And uh, Jeff, I have to say, I've been going to concerts for over 20 years now, and I can't even try to guess at how many shows I've been to. And there aren't many people out there who I can say have been to more concerts than me, but you are definitely one of those people. So uh, yeah, uh, I love seeing you at shows for so many reasons. Uh, one, I know I'll be able to see some awesome photos after the show. Two, I just feel a sense of comfort when I see you. It's like, all right, I'm home. I'm in Jersey. This is where I belong. And three, you have the passion and the love for music that I have. So we're so happy to have you today. Jeff, welcome. Thank you. And I appreciate you having me. And yeah, it's kind of been a, been a long journey so far that I don't intend to stop. <laughs> well, great. Well, we don't want you to stop. So so I hope you don't. Uh, so how long have you been doing this that you say it's a long journey? So, I mean, I guess from, from I guess if I look back, it's got to be probably about 17 years now, 16, mm-hmm. 17 years. Okay. You know, from the beginning. Um, yep. My son is 26 now and I took him to his first show he was eight years old and then a, a couple of shows just at pnc nice. and then kind of that's that's when starland came came into play yeah you know so uh starland's actually the first club and the only club that i ever went to in new jersey at that time and it was just because at that time my wife worked for a music company and she came home one day and just said there's this club in sayerville Hmm. that I might be able to get you on some guest list. So that's kind of how that all started with me going there with my son when he was younger. Very cool. And is your son following in your footsteps of uh, being a photographer? No, I mean, he dabbles, but yeah. no, he's not um, doing <laughs> anything per se. He plays music. He records his own music. He does nice. lyrics. Um, he does a little of each, but he's not kind of, it's not stuff that he puts out there much. Gotcha. I understand. So what got you into into photography? Well, it's weird because it's, I don't, I, I kind of say it as like, I didn't get into photography. It's the music scene that kind of put it into my hands. So photography was never, ever, ever a thought process of mine. Hmm. It was never part of the plan. The only part of the plan was, is that I was enjoying going to shows, live shows with my son. That was the only purpose of what we were doing. It was really just to have that bonding thing between father and son and the experiences of going to see live shows and seeing different styles and genres of music and meeting people along the way, period. Yeah. That's all it was about. That was the only intention. Taking pictures I was doing, but that was really just to document our journey as we went along. Um, It was not for the intention of bands. It was not for the intention of you know, building something photography-wise that was none of that. It, it, the quality wasn't part of the equation. It was just, I just like to have 
documentation, you know, to look back at years down the line. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so out of all that, so how did Jeff Crespi Rocks come come about? Because that's such an awesome tagline to have. I love it. Well, so you know, I mean, I guess you know, as I kind of saw what was going on, and, and which I didn't know until kind of after the fact, but as I was going along my journey, and you know, going to Starland Ballroom, and then finding out that there was you know shows going on in VFWs and firehouses and Hmm. Elks Lodges and all those things, which I really never knew existed. And it was all kind of things that just came along as as we were doing what we were doing, going to shows. Yeah. Um, you know, my son was in middle school <laughs> and he came home one day and said, you know, my friends are playing in the Freehold VFW where we live. And I'm right. like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> they don't do shows at the VFW, you yeah, know. Yeah, we yeah. go there for like, you know, the Memorial Day parade or something, you know, whatever it is. How funny. Um, and I'm like, so I don't know what you're talking about. About, but he goes, no, I'm, trust me, I'm telling you. He goes, give me $20. I'm going to buy two tickets tomorrow at school, and uh, and that's it. So I like, okay, I gave him the $20. Right. And he comes home with these two little paper tickets, and on it it says, batten down the hatches, freehold VFW. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I even looked it up. Like, I went online to see, and there's nothing there, obviously. And I'm like, right. okay. So I go, okay, we'll go. Let's check it out. Let's see what it's about. Okay. And I remember pulling up to this parking lot and I was just amazed. I was just absolutely blown away mm. that, you know, these, these were middle school and high school kids. Right. Right. And I was just so taken back by the fact that these kids were doing this all themselves. Yeah. Right. Like right. there was this, that there was this whole scene that I never knew about and mm. They would, you know, making the event flyers and renting the venue and, you know, setting up the the PA. And there was, you know, it was all doing it themselves. It was all, you know, one of the guys from a band was was the sound guy and, Hmm. you know, setting up their merch tables. And and I also realized and saw that other than a couple, there wasn't many parents involved. You know, I looked at these kids were what I call the misfits. Like, these are not... (laughs) The after-school kids. These right. are not, yep. you know, the athletes. These are not the scholars. These were the kids that just wanted to have fun in their environment. And it was mm. very little interaction with the parental side of it. And I didn't know why. Um, I kind of looked at it as like, I don't know. Why wouldn't I not want to be Part involved yeah. in what my child was doing on some level? Absolutely. So to me, going with my kid was very normal. I guess, you know, it was not my place to say for anybody else. But a lot of the parents would drop these kids off and mm. then, you know, whatever, say, call me when you're done. Right. You know, type of a thing. I didn't yep. feel comfortable doing that. My son at that time was like 12, 13 years old. I was not dropping my kid off somewhere that I didn't know who these people were or yeah. what was going on and just saying, call me in a few hours. <laughs> um, so, and I'm also a music lover. So for me, it made perfect sense for me to enjoy these shows as he did as well. Um, so that kind of scene started to evolve. And very quickly, a lot of these bands just took notice hmm. of me obviously being there, but also not just being there from looking from the outside in, but being part of it, like actually helping set up their equipment, you yeah. know, helping them carry things in, helping them kind of, you know, figure out the order of the band, you know, and the next thing I know, they're like reaching out to me, you know, they're like asking me questions wow. or asking me 
to help him do things and, you know, asking me if I'm going to be at the show. You know, hey, Jeff, we're playing, you know, here, you know, on Friday night, you know, we'd love for you to, you know, those kind of things. And I'm like, really? Like, that's kind of cool. So that was kind of part of it, as well as going to Starland and the off nights of Starland, the VFWs, the firehouses, holiday shows, you know, whatever it was, I was kind of going with my son. And that went on for years, very quickly. I think we went from, you know, a few shows here and there. Mm Mm-hmm. I think probably by the second year, we were already going to over 100 shows a year. Oh, my goodness. You know, right. all said and done. Then, you know, <laughs> you know, it very quickly, you know, the next thing I know, you know, Starland Ballroom, I found out, had what was called a season pass. Yes. Um, yep. And back then, it was very different than what it is now. So back then, when I first started going there, Starland Ballroom was only open like two, maybe three years. I think only two years at the time. And it was still privately owned by somebody I know now. And then it got sold three years into it to AEG, hmm. uh, Bowery Presents. But it was privately owned when I first went. And they had a season pass. And I remember asking about it. And I asked them, you know, how much does it cost? Hmm. And at that time, I think Starland was putting on somewhere maybe 80-ish shows a year. Somewhere in that okay. range. Right. Um, and the amount for the season pass was $1,500 okay. for myself yep. and a guest. Okay, not bad. And including parking for every single show for the year. Yeah, so worth it. So okay. when I sat down and thought about how much it was per show on an average, it was well worth it for me if I planned on going to every show, <laughs> which, yeah. I, which I did. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, if yeah. I missed one or two shows a year, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, so so for me, it was well worth it. So every December, I would hand the box office $1,500, <laughs> and they would give me this. I have them saved. They're like credit cards so with my photo on it. Yeah. And that was good for every single show for the whole year. It's amazing. With yes. a guest, and whether it be my son or somebody else, but I was allowed to bring anybody I wanted to any show. That's great. And now, now they do something that's like you get 25 tickets or something for the year, right? Yeah, it's like for yeah. five, no, it's for 500 bucks. So it's yeah. like 500 bucks for like 20 or 25 Yeah, whatever shows. the number is. Right, right, right. You know? and, and, and that transitioned in while I was still going there. So, mm. so after the season passes as it originally was when AEG took it over, they revamped that process and started doing the, the, packages so now i had to buy to to obviously be able to go to every show i used to have to buy four packages wow so you know each package was 500 for 25 shows yeah so i would give them two thousand dollars for four packages so i had a hundred tickets yeah now do you know were there other people who used to buy the season passes as well a very few yeah i mean when they decided doing the packages yeah it it made it a little bit more financially right affordable um, for uh affordable to some people so yeah some people were buying the the 25 packs just so they had it for the year but again remember those aren't people that were going to 100 shows a year like i was (laughs) specifically there you know they might be going up you know other shows other places like pnc and wherever else they went but specifically for starland nobody was really going to the amount of shows that i was you know so i became a staple of course in that in that you know uh club as well as my son technically kind of becoming sort of like the mascot my son was this little kid just 
So cute. Running around with a shirt that we had made up for him mm. that said Mr. Starland. Mm. And, um, <laughs> and we would write with colored Sharpies all over the shirt every show, whatever bands were playing that night. That's great. So show by show, the shirt would fill up with names. Yep. And then bands started taking notice of it and wanted to see the shirt. And bands started signing the shirt. Roger from Less Than Jake, uh, Beefcake from Guar. Wow. You know, there was a bunch of signatures. We still have all the shirts. Everything is saved. You know, yeah. So that was like the signature shirt, you know, when we first started going That's there. Amazing. That became a focus of kind of what was going on. So you know, great. so it was kind of cool because we were going to shows having a blast but also being part of the whole scene, you yep. know? Yeah. It was, wasn't just going to a show. It was like people expecting us to be there. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah, it was really cool. Awesome. Does so, so your son realize, like, how cool of a dad you actually are? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think he does now. I would, but yeah, yeah. I don't think he had a clue then. <laughs> how funny. You know, I yeah. mean, I mean, here's a kid that was like, you know, 13 years old, yeah. you know, hanging out with like Peter Steele from <laughs> Typo Negative and, oh, geez, you know, bands right. like Biohazard and Madball and, you know, right. all those kind yeah. of bands that were coming through at that time, you know, that first wave That's of great. all the different genres, you know, the, you know, the newfound glories, you know, mm -hmm. the all American rejects, you know, and then the sky, you know, the big D and the kids table and the real big fish and the less than Jake's. And, you know, that was kind of the first wave of, of everything that we were seeing there, you yeah. know? So yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. So awesome. So at this point in your career, bands notice you, Starland, you know, obviously knows you and, and you're kind of home to them. Is it that bands reach out to you now, Starland reach out to you? They're like, come on down, we have a show. Do you want to photograph? Like, how does that work? And well, it's kind of a little of everything. So basically what happened as I was doing what I was doing for the first like seven years, let's say, I think, yeah, probably about seven years, maybe eight years as a fan, you know, just going mm -hmm. to shows yep. everywhere. And then, you know, eventually I branched out to like the Stone Pony and Asbury and PNC and but yeah. for the first six, seven years, it was only Starland and like the, you know, VFWs and basement shows, let's say. Right. Um, but in terms of clubs and venues, I didn't even start to go to Asbury Park until maybe a little before Hurricane Sandy. Okay. Um, I was only in Asbury Park once huh. in all the years I'm living in New Jersey mm. um, prior to that. And that was to go see Newfound Glory. Uh, with my son, but, and we didn't have a good experience because he was a kid at the time, you know, a small kid, and the setup there just wasn't the same as Starland. So we weren't like, it wasn't like Starland was home to us where we had our spot, yes. right? You know, we had that spot like yeah. right on the corner of the barricade. Yeah. Um, and that was just the way it was, you know. So when we went to the Stone Pony the first time, you know, he was stuck in the back without a, being able to see anything mm. that was it and then we didn't go back there for a long time and then hurricane sandy happened and starland ballroom decided to close up and renovate the place so they were closed up for a little more than a year yeah i actually um, remember that yep i do and then announced the grand opening and i remember reaching out to them and they actually uh let me go down there and they gave me a little tour hmm. of the of it as it was renovated at that point I was still shooting for some local publications at the time. Right. So all the shows that started back up for Starland, and the very first one back was Stone Temple Pilots, 
uh, with Chester as the front man at the uh, time. Okay. And um, so I was shooting those shows. Now, I'm going to say professionally, but I wasn't getting paid. But I was shooting them for a publication. Mm. Um, so at this point, it wasn't now just going there as a fan and shooting from the crowd. You know, I was right. getting media passes from said publication. Okay. Um, so that kind of really started the ball rolling in terms of shooting on a different level and having to have more of a professional camera and doing that stuff. So yeah, I shot for some local publications. One of them turned out to be a really big one um, called uh, Amp Magazine, uh, which was probably one of the biggest publications at that time. It had both online and a print magazine. Wow, okay. And they were very nice and kind of brought me on as technically like a staff photographer. Hmm. Um, again, it wasn't paid, but it was kind of, you know, they were basically setting everything up for me. So that gave me access to pretty much every show that came through the area, as well as the walk tours, the Mayhem Fest. Oh, now I'm shooting all these big festivals. So mm-hmm. now it's like, you know, not only am I shooting all these mainstream bands, as well as the locals, uh-huh. but now I'm also at these events that are, you know, have... 15, 20,000 people at them, you know, and I'm running around and everybody's screaming my name. You know, they're all just screaming my name as I'm walking through the crowds and, you know, going from stage to stage. And so, yeah, so it was kind of just all of that going on. Yeah, it was kind of cool and weird at the same time. Yeah. You know, know, I'm shooting a local band that, you know, played Battle of the Bands just to be able to play a spot on Warp Tour, so that yeah. that's that band that's playing like twelve thirty in the afternoon. Oh yeah, you know, on a side stage. Oh yeah, in front of. And then by by ten yeah. o'clock at night, I'm shooting bands like Bad Religion, mm. you know, or Black Veil Bl- Brides, or Fallout Boy, or you know, yeah. whatever whatever those headliners <laughs> were at the time. So funny. Um, so yeah, so it was wild. You know, th- th- those must be exhausting days for you. As fun as they are, th- those got to be long um, days. You have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. Trust me, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was long days. You know, it was driving down there early with my kid and his mm. friends. Mm. It was, you know, getting on the line to get my photo pass. It was figuring out what stages I was going to go to, what bands I was yeah. going to shoot. Right. You right. know, kind right. of a thing. It was, it was all over the place. Yeah. So do you have all those photo passes saved somewhere? Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. oh yeah, what, have what everything saved, most of it's all in binders or yeah. suitcases or whatever. <laughs> if you had to take a guess, how many photo pass would you say are in those binders and suitcases? Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, thousands. I mean, definitely thousands. That's so awesome. Um, you know, I mean, I have, I have binders and binders so. filled with set lists. You know, yeah. I have a yeah. milk crate filled with drumsticks. Yeah. I have, you know, picks, you know, everything, you know, that I kind of collected along the way. Of course. Yeah, that's so great. And uh, so what do you think of like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, like like the festival out in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So any like, is that something you're able to be like, hey, I'm Jeff Crespi. Can, can I get in on I, this? I mean, yeah, yeah, yes and no. I yeah. mean, it's not that I'm Jeff Crespi. It's more <laughs> like, hey, listen, you know, whoever's handling the press for that event. Right. You know, it's basically sending an email mm. um, and hey, listen, you know, I'm, what I will say is that the majority of PR companies at this point know who I am. Right. Yeah. Um, that still doesn't mean anything per se. Yeah. But most of these 
festivals, they do not accept personal photo passes, so to speak. So basically, mm. if I wanted to shoot a festival like that, it would have to be for a publication. Really interesting. Which is not an issue. Wow, okay. I do have publications I shoot yes. for, so that would not be an issue. Right. Um, but yeah, it's not mm. as the same as it used to be, unfortunately. I mean, mm. I remember going, you know, when I first started, somebody would be playing a show and they would just come out the door and say, hey, Jeff, has a photo pass. Yeah. Um, but, you know, things change over mm. time. Yeah. And, you know, I've had conversations with old school photographers that have been doing this much longer than me or kind of, you know, started doing it when they were younger and earned a living doing it. And I remember having that conversation with one specific photographer who ultimately was the one that stepped down that mm. allowed me to do what I'm doing for mm. the menus right now. Nice. Okay. Um, but me and him used to talk and, you know, he didn't like people like me, um, not <laughs> me specific but okay. he didn't like the people that were now shooting shows for free because mm. obviously when you do that that devalues of course of uh, absolutely why, why, why pay money for him keep and yeah. getting paid to do it yeah yeah why pay money and, from for him when they can have you for free right right and yeah. i understood that yeah but i also understood his part of it too and and my answer to that was don't blame the people because the people that are shooting the shows for free are giving the uh, are given the opportunity to do so, and the only reason why that happened was actually because of technology. Technology mm. allowed younger people to be able to have better cameras, yeah, and be able to walk around with a you know, $500 professional camera in their <laughs> hands when years prior to that, that didn't exist. Right. Especially in the digital world versus the film world. You know, the average kid wasn't walking around with a, a good professional film camera. Right. You right. know, um, yep. so a lot of these people went to school for photography or film and spent, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars building a career. You know, shooting for newspapers, shooting mm. for magazines. But the technology is what changed all of that. You know, it just made it simpler and cheaper for the average person to do it. Yeah. And when you take a young person who's still living at home, who doesn't need to make money, per, you know, on that side of the coin, they're going to offer to do it for free. Of course. Just to get access to their favorite bands. Uh, exactly. Yep. And definitely. that's kind of what it became. Yep. Now, that's not what I did. I was already in my 40s mm. when I first started doing this. So I understood the business side of it. And I also felt bad for those photographers that were, were earning a living and now couldn't. So when I was started doing what I did... I remember saying, hey, I'm going to do what I love to do, but there still has to be a purpose behind it. I didn't want to be that photographer mm. that just shot a, a show because it's a band I liked. Right. So I yeah. I, my whole persona of this was, this isn't about the bands. This is about the scene as a whole, which included the fans, which included the staff, you know, stagehands, bartenders, lighting people, audio engineers, all of those people is what made a show happen. And a show can happen with all of those pieces. 
Yep. So my whole vision was I want to support that. That's what I want it to be about. It's not about popularity of a band. It's not about mm. building an ego. It wasn't about that. It was about setting it up for everybody involved to have documentation and enjoy visually what they were doing. So that's why I always made it about, you know, everything in terms of my photos, you know, whether it be taking pictures of the production, you know, the stage, mm. the lighting, yeah. you know, all of that, which is something that a lot of photographers could care less yes. about. They just want the band and that's it. Yeah, so, you know, no offense to any of them, but from a venue standpoint, what do you think a venue wants to see? Right, of course, the, the lighting and, and the backdrops right. and bars. Of course. And yeah. Yep. You know, so I, I knew that, approach, you know, I yeah. already had that in my head of, you know, what I what my vision was going to be once I realized that the photography was something that is becoming relevant so yeah so i kind of that so it was always about and i always wanted as a person i wanted to be part of that i didn't want to just be known as a photographer i wanted to be known as somebody who loves the music scene and wants to help the music scene grow and document that perfect great i love it yeah and uh so you said there's all these new photographers based on technology and stuff do you ever come across photographers that chose who are like rude and step in your way and try to get a shot that, you know? Oh, yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, yeah. again, it's, you know, you can't really like, I'm that guy that like, okay, you know, I understand it. I, I mean, well, I shouldn't say I understand it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Okay. Um, so, and the pr problem is, is that not that I was mentored, but yeah. being an older guy when I started, I watched all of that and I and I learned who everybody was mm. when I would go to certain venues I would watch to see who was taking photos and I could tell you know who was the amateur hobbyist as yeah. opposed to who was the person that was either there getting paid or was there as as requested yeah. right and yeah. I made sure that I didn't get in those people's way Perfect. Because I was not going to interfere with with somebody trying to earn a living. Yeah, right. If I wasn't. So I knew that. So I was trying to be as careful as I could. But I was learning from those people mm -hmm. as well. And that's what I don't see today is these younger photographers just want to come out of the box and have everything never learn anything because <laughs> they all believe that they could teach themselves yeah. today, which I'm which I'm not disagreeing with mm -hmm. i mean i i understand that we have um you know would it be youtube or you know it's very easy today to just teach yourself anything but it what it doesn't teach you is professionalism right. it doesn't teach yeah. you etiquette it doesn't teach you human nature that's the part of it that i see a lot of these younger photographers not taking into effect yeah I tell you, you know, they, they like... all want to just shoot the biggest bands, their yeah. favorite bands. Yeah. And and I'm not lying. You know, when I say this, I'm, I'm trying to be as as honest as I could. You know, there are some very good photographers out there on the younger level. But most of what I see, mm -hmm. I don't even consider photography. In my opinion, it's content, not photography. Right. There's no, a big makes, difference. That makes Somebody sense. going to shoot a show just to have content is very different than saying I'm a photographer. Mm. You really should almost try to give like classes or something to, to the new photographers out there. You should. 
You should hold like a, a sem- something, a two, three hours. I, I thought about it, um, but it the, I don't know. Like, so I've had so many people over the years contact me. I've had kids. I've had adults. I've had parents of kids, you know, reach out to me, email me, message me. You know, my son, my daughter is an mm. inspiring photographer. Mm. It'd be really cool if you could help them along and give them photo passes or, <laughs> or bring them to a show. And, right. and I have to explain to these people that that's not how it works. Mm. Like, if you want me to mentor your son or daughter in terms of photography, I can do that. But I don't have, number one, the authority to hand your child a photo pass, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. So I have to now explain to these people yeah. how I get my photo yeah. passes right, right, and right. how I worked, you know, X amount of years, not days, weeks or months, yeah, to, but to, years to earn that. building a building a portfolio, building a brand, building a reputation. Yeah. And that's what they don't understand. Mm. And then they they end it like, oh, thanks a lot. You know, like, you know, so that's, you know what I'm saying? So, so that's why that kind of, that part of it kind of really yeah. pushed me away from wanting to do yeah, that. Yeah, that, yeah, I can, I can you know, understand that. I mean, right now, yeah, uh-huh. there's actually um, a, a girl that I know who actually came to me just a few months ago and asked me to mentor her. Oh, yeah. so she's an adult right. um, and she's really nice. And I sat down with her and I explained to her, I said, I only would mentor somebody mm-hmm. if they're honestly just interested in learning photography. Mm. I said, if their point of this is to get my contacts, if their point is, is to ask me how to get them into bigger shows, then yes. the answer is no. You know, I I I work too hard to have what I have to just have somebody who never did anything before come up to me and ask me for something. Mm. You know, Uh and I've had that. I've had people just say, hey, uh, my favorite band is playing the Stone Pony Summer Stage. Could Uh, you help me get a photo pass? Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, I, you know, I get that a lot. I I can't imagine how many how many of, of those requests you get. I can't. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I used to, I was, you know, like I said, I used to get emails from parents. And then when I would go through the whole, you know, scenario of how it works, you know, they would say, oh, my God, I had no idea that's what you go through. You know, I had no idea that's what, you know, what's entailed and how much work you put into doing this. And yeah, yeah when I tell people all of that, they have no clue. They think I just walk up to somebody mm. and someone just hands me a pass, <laughs> you know, and they don't understand how much communication was going on prior, you know, or emailing or, you know, oh, sending, yeah. you know, portfolios and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so th- this might be a strange question, but. Are there any bands out there who like don't allow any photographers at their shows? They don't want any of that. Have you ever come across oh, yeah. that? Yeah, it's not that uncommon. Really interesting. Um, it's not that uncommon, and oh, it's yeah. funny because it usually happens more <laughs> with the ba- bigger bands on their way down. Really? Right? Yeah. So, and wow. it, I think a lot of it has to do with um, image. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. There's a yes. lot of bands or artists, I, I should say, that go. just don't want their picture taken yeah. by the random schmo. You yeah. know, it, they might have their own personal photographer mm-hmm. um, or, or a specific photographer that works for, you know, a certain agency or something like that. But the average Joe, like myself, 
you know, they might say, no, you know, we don't want photographers just throwing stuff up. There's a lot of bands that I have to sign waivers for, you know, that, hey, I'm not allowed to post the pictures other than for, you know, who I'm shooting for. Or Hmm. I have to send pictures over to their management company for approval, you know, so there are a lot of different aspects of it. Right. I mean, no, I guess that could make sense because w- what seems like a good picture to you might not, you know, they might not be a fan exactly. of it. And yeah, 100%. you know, if, if you catch them at a, at, a, at a strange angle or something, and I'm sure I could see that. That makes right. sense. Yeah. Now, the argument to that is by said photographers, well, what's the difference if you have 15,000 people taking cell phone mm-hmm. pictures that are obviously shitty quality? For sure. Um, but again, those pictures are looked at just for content. You know, so when you when you separate the fan pictures from professional photographers, artists look at that as, as a very different thing. Yeah. How many pictures would you say you take a night? How many pictures have I taken? No, no. Do you take like each night when, when you go to a oh, concert? Oh, I, I mean, that varies on the show, the bands. I mean, typically, I mean, if it's, let's say, a three or four band show, I mean, I could like last night I, I had four bands mm-hmm. and a local show mm-hmm. at that. I don't know. I probably took around 700 pictures. Wow. And is it hard to narrow it down to just a few? It's not that it's hard. Um, I actually enjoy the editing process. Okay. Um, that's another piece of the puzzle that um, a lot of photographers, I think, don't take the time and effort mm-hmm. into that part of it yeah. um, because they just want to get everything out quicker. <laughs> now, obviously, with all the shows that they do, for me to be able to do what I do on the level I do it, there has to be organization and structure, right, in terms of how I do it. So, you know, I had to teach myself, you know, if, I, if I'm doing seven shows in seven straight nights, how do I get that all done in a reasonable amount of time? Yes. So I take what I do very seriously. Right. So I'll go do a show and let's say I get home at midnight. Well, I'll stay up till two, three in the morning Mm. just to get the bulk of it done. Mm. And remember, I come home from a show, whether it be as a fan or professionally, like even in the early days of Starland, when I came home from a show, I didn't go to bed. Yeah. The first thing I did was upload the memory cards Mm. and put some pictures up. So... At that time, when my son was little, uh, uh, you know, his friends that weren't at the show, they would wait until we got home so they could see some of the pictures from the show. <laughs> you know, they would literally yeah. stay up to like one, two in the morning themselves just mm-hmm. to wait to see the pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a system of how I do it. And, okay. you know, I have to come home from a show and I have to plug in my batteries to recharge. Mm-hmm. I have to upload the memory cards. I have to start the editing process and be able to, you know, at least edit a couple of pictures per band so that, number one, I can make some social media posts. Or number two, if I'm shooting for a venue um, or somebody else, I have to be able to send pictures over to that person, usually by the next morning. Now, if I'm getting up at 530 in the morning to go to work, it has to be done before (laughs) I go to bed. Jeez. You know, Um, so, yeah, so I sacrifice... Yeah, you know all of that many, to get everything the way yeah. it needs to be done. You've lost out on many hours of sleep, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So you know there was, and there's some times where during the summer stage season in Asbury, you know I don't go home. I have apartments, mm-hmm. friends' apartments really? that I stay at. 
and I'll, you know, I'll leave like on a Friday afternoon and tell my wife, hey, I'll see you Sunday night when it's done, you know, wow. and I'll stay in Asbury the whole yeah. weekend and not yeah. even go home at all. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, so is there any time like something went wrong with your camera or the battery or the memory card and like at a show uh, and you just, you lost everything? It's so weird. Or... Like, to, 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 honestly, no. no like, wow. I mean, I've had cameras break. Like yeah. I literally, this past summer, I had literally my two main bodies broke on me the same week. Jeez. Now, these are cameras that brand new cost $3,500. Come on. Right? So that's yeah. just for the body. That's not including mm. the lens. So I lost $7,000 worth of equipment oh, in one week. Goodness. Just because they got banged into something and just uh. I looked down and it had like an error code. <laughs> so what do you do? Oh, jeez. I don't have, you know, I have an extra body or two older ones yeah. as like a backup, but wow. not to be able to do what I do. Right. So right. what do you do? So I had no choice. Thank God my wife had some money saved up. Oh, and I had to run to a store and buy two used bodies. Oh, and you got to remember, you know, when you're at the level that I'm doing it right now, you have to have something decent, of right? Yes. So you can't even use, you're not going to get anything decent for less than a thousand dollars. So I had to go run and spend, I spent $2,300 just to buy used cameras <laughs> to used. use for the meantime. Used cameras. You know, so that's the other side of it with equipment. You want to go buy a new camera today, a professional camera? The low end right now is like $2,000. You know, the new cameras coming out now yeah. are between five and $7,000. Uh, I can only imagine what those cameras do. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, lenses could range anywhere from a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand. Yeah. So, so you're saying I can't take my iPhone 6 and, and be a photographer like you? Well, listen, uh, you know, a lot of the new... <laughs> You know, uh, smartphones yeah. do a good job. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're not going to do a good job for what I consider a concert photography, yeah. which has a lot of moving parts. Yeah, yeah. See, concert photography is is the most difficult type of photography because anything else could be staged, mm. right? So mm. would it be portrait photography, landscape photography, product photography, that's all staged. You know, you want to go shoot the moon? I could Google what settings my camera could be on to shoot the moon. Right, yeah. I don't have to be a rocket science to do that. Okay, but with concert photography, if you Google what my settings should be for concert photography, nothing's going to come up consistently. Because yeah. it's impossible. Because each venue has a different lighting system. Yeah. Yep. Each venue has a different atmosphere. Mm. Each band has a different style of how they perform on stage. Yeah. Moving around, who moves where, who jumps, who, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff happens in real time. So when you're shooting concerts, you have to be able to navigate mm. settings on the fly. Wow. Yeah. So there is no set way of doing it right are there any yeah. bands that like see you and play into your camera and will like you know stop for a pose or oh yeah oh yeah. absolutely yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of bands that really uh play to the photographer yeah. actually uh the bassist from newfound glory does that a lot okay 
Yeah, the, you know, the it's, stocky guy. Yes, yes, um, yes. He yep. gets right in your face. Yeah, yeah he loves that. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of the bands out there That's that always great. have people. Yeah. And I've had even younger bands will always come up to me and say, hey, Jeff, yeah, yeah, I saw you taking pictures. I tried yeah. to get close to the edge of the stage and, you know, kind of really, you know, ham it up, so to speak. That's great. You know, yeah. so yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Funny. All right, so is there any band or musician from the past that may not be around anymore that you wish you could have shot the uh, f- oh, photograph plenty in terms of you know my musical taste from back in the day yeah um i have gotten to photograph a lot of mm-hmm. bands from my you know heyday right unfortunately you know they're all on their way down <laughs> now they're not it's not like you know not in their prime so to speak yeah um but i'm i'm a more of an 80s guy okay and when i say 80s I mean, more 80s new wave music, you know, like The Cure, Depeche Mode, a lot of that stuff. So I've gotten to photograph a lot of the, those style of bands and artists, um, like Howard Jones, which is one of my favorites. Hmm. I photographed him a few times. Uh, Flock of Seagulls, Book of Love, Echo and the Bunnymen. There's a lot of bands, unfortunately. A lot of them are not the original lineups, mm. and a lot of them are just at that, not the end of their careers, but at a stage in their careers where it's just obviously not the same as how I would remember them. Right, right. You know, yeah. in terms of, number one, how they look, <laughs> and number two, how they perform. Yeah, I'm sure. They, they, they don't move around like they used to. Yeah, and so mm. it's, it's, it is different, but it is, you know, bow, wow, wow. You know, it was one of the bands that I got to take pictures of. But the show that I did, it was so weird. It was literally like a few days before the show where the original singer left the band. Oh, geez. Now, uh, when you look at some of those bands, the singer is everything. Uh, absolutely. And it was a young girl. The, the, first, the hit that yeah. they uh, came out with that back in the early 80s, the girl, the singer, was only like 16 years old when they recorded that Jeez. song. They had to replace her with somebody that looked like her, like right there. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, because they didn't want to cancel the tour that's and they didn't nice. want anybody to know that it wasn't the that original singer. Like, that's so funny. Did, did she sound like her too? I mean, come on. She did. Be, she really? actually did. But you, but anybody who knew the band yes, would knew know right away it. that it wasn't her based on, obviously, the performance wasn't, you know, as good yeah. in terms of remembering all the words mm-hmm. and knowing the songs. You could see it was somebody who just kind of learned everything. Oh, wow. Interesting. And now, what about a band that's still out there today that maybe, you know, a newer band that you would love to photograph but haven't had a chance to? It's funny. So, like, I mean, there's a lot of bands, up-and-coming bands right now that, as they tour, I don't have, like, a set plan, right? So okay. it's like, there's no band out there right now that I'm going to go research, per se, mm. and say, okay, I'm going to go out of my way to do it. Right. Or I'm going to travel or I'm going to jump on a plane and go, you know, no, that's not happening yeah. to me. Because, again, I, I don't chase popularity. You know, the good thing is I'm in an area where I'm surrounded by major venues. Yep, for so sure. the chances are that most popular bands or most mainstream bands are going to come through this area at some point. Yeah. And I'll give you a perfect way. example. Yeah. A few years ago, one of the bands was Greta Van Fleet. Okay. Okay. That, you know, was getting all this, you know, publicity 
as this young band that was, you know, getting a lot of slack, too, hmm. from the fan base of, you know, oh, they're just a wannabe Led Zeppelin mm. band. Um, but these were really great musicians, you know, and so they, they were a band that, you know, came through the Stone Pony Summer Stage, and I got to shoot them. Hmm. Not only did I get to shoot them, but a lot of the pictures I took ended up in a magazine. Wow. Nice. You know, yeah. so, yeah, so, and, and I was fortunate enough a few years back to actually photograph Kiss at Madison Square Garden, Jeez. you know, which was actually one of my favorite bands that I grew up with, but never even had a chance to see until my adult life, wow. um, as, as well as photograph, That's as perfect. well as photograph in the number one venue in the world, <laughs> Madison Square Garden, on top of that, you know. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, every year or I should say every season, there's always those bands that come through Asbury, uh, whether it be the Stone Pony, whether it be Asbury Lanes, uh, whether it be House of Independence, whether it be Starland Ballroom, whether it be PNC, pretty much every yeah. band comes through this area at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So I really don't have to travel far to really you know get to somebody yeah but what is the furthest place you ever traveled for oh i mean i never really went out of new york city wow you know the furthest i've ever gone is new york city Wow. which i'm I'm from i was born in brooklyn i'm from new york all right Um, so early on i used to go into new york city a lot Mm. even though i was already living in jersey to shoot shows and hang out with friends and you know that I was doing it more on a fan base level. Right. And then I started, when I started shooting for publications, um, you know, I would go into the city for the Gramercy theater, uh, Roseland, Irving Plaza, Webster hall, Best Buy theater, Mm. um, which was, was I was it the PlayStation, PlayStation Theater now? Yep, it was. Yep, yeah. It was like three different names from when I started <laughs> yeah, shooting. Yeah. Um, but yeah. anyway, so yeah, so I would go into the city. But for me to go into New York City from New Jersey, it was you know jumping on a bus for two hours. Mm. You know, then either walking or taking a train from Port Authority. Um, so it was a lot of time and effort for nothing, for no money. Right. I mm. wasn't getting paid for those shows. Mm. You know, so how do you at some point, you know, how do I say to my wife, hey, yeah, I'm going to shoot a show in New York City. It's going to cost me probably like 50 to 70 dollars between traveling, food, whatever. (laughs) And and you know what I'm saying? You can't justify that at some point. Yeah, for sure. Right, right, right. You know, so then when I started shooting for like the Stone Pony, it just made life so much easier. Oh, yeah. um, Not having to travel far to shoot mainstream as well as local bands. Very good. Um, all right, so I have a few more questions if, if you had the time. Yeah, okay. sure. All right, so w- what would you have done in life if it wasn't photo- photographing bands and all that? What, what, would, <laughs> what would Jeff be doing that's, right now? That's a great question. So, <laughs> um, so I'll give you a little kind of background. So before photography kind of evolved in my life, I was just a regular Joe going to work every day, coming mm. home, and I would spend most of my evenings building things like models puzzles Mm. i'm an artist by nature drawing painting anything like that anything with my hands i love to do that was my hobby that was my hobby seven days a week Mm. outside of just going to work and and you know paying my bills um i was also an athlete so up until my mid-40s i was in bowling league softball leagues things like that so those were really the only things i was doing outside of work yeah. I never used any of my artistic ability 
to make money. Right. Um, it was just a hobby. So I don't know technically what I would have been doing career-wise. Okay. Um, I pretty much was working at a gym at the time as a personal trainer. Yeah, really. When cool. all of this happened. Hmm. Um, I, I, I kind of worked for corporate America most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already living in New Jersey. I was working for Hewlett Packard at the time as an IT specialist. And that was when the whole outsourcing world, you know, started. Mm. And um, I remember for the first time in my life, I was told I didn't have a job. Wow. And I didn't know what to do. I already had a house and a family. Mm. It was the first time in my entire life I was told I didn't have a job. Jeez. I and um, I was bowling in a league at the time. And um, the owners of this gym was in the bowling league. And I just went up to him and I said, you know, how do I uh, work at a gym? Hmm. <laughs> and he said, well, come in tomorrow and let's talk. And uh, I went in and they hired me as a personal trainer. Wow. And um, I didn't know if it was going to work or not. I had the job that I had left. They gave me a little severance package that was lasting about four months. Okay. So I knew I had a four-month window to figure yes. everything out. Right. I started working at the gym. And it worked out pretty well, and I was able to earn a living. And I ended up working in a gym for as a personal trainer for 13 years. Oh, uh, so during that time is when the photography started to take hold. And my passion for photography and going to live shows just outdid my passion for being in a gym. So about five years ago, yeah, about five or six years ago, I gave up the gym thing. Hmm. Um, I was already doing the photography on the level I'm doing it. Not financially, unfortunately. I still have to have a day job. (laughs) Um, But I obviously also needed a day job that allowed me the flexibility Hmm. to do what I'm doing. Because although financially it doesn't add up from the photography, the amount of time that I put into it is three times the amount of time that most people put into a regular day job. I, I can't even imagine. I'm sure. So it's like, what do you do? It's like if I go back to a regular job, per se, mm. would it be like a nine to five, which doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. But even if I went to go work for just a, re- a job in the neighborhood, you know, everything is weekends, holidays, nights, mm. all the times that I'm usually at shows. Yeah, yeah. So I had to find something that worked. And so the only thing that really works with that kind of a schedule is construction. Okay. Uh, So, you know, I had to find a friend (laughs) that had, you know, either a construction owner, Hmm. you know, that had their own company and could use me as a helper that understood everything else I do from the photography standpoint. So that's kind of what I've been doing the last, like, four or five years. You've been on some journey, I tell you. Yeah, it's been yeah. a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> I you see, know? yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm not a young kid. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm close to 60 years old, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I'm out there. Thank God I'm able to do it. You know, I love it's doing it. I don't ever you. want to stop. And, yeah, so it's like, you know, even last night, you know, this month, you know, obviously shows are, are, you know, at a low right now. Yeah. So I could very easily, like last night, I could have very easily just stayed home and relaxed. But I, you know, I drove all the way up north an hour mm. and 15 minutes away just to mm. go to a show. In, in cold, cold weather, you're, you're, you're doing yeah. the thing. Yeah. Because if, you know. if you guys aren't from New York, New Jersey, it's like 12 degrees out here this, this week. So 
it's yeah, hard. it's crazy. Yep. So it's like you know, it's, it's it is what it is, and you know, my love and passion for the live shows now mm-hmm. is just overwhelms everything else. All right, so I, I have maybe the most important question I've asked you all day right now. Okay. What softball position did you play? Because I'm a big softball player. I've been playing for years, and, <laughs> and I need to know this. Okay. So growing <laughs> up, I was an exceptional athlete. Okay, because uh, I've been but... I've been playing. So I I run my own softball team. I've been playing for like 20 years now. I got some championships, so I, I need to hear okay. this. Okay. Yeah. So you know, grew up in Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, you know, played little league as a kid. Right. You know, uh, went through that whole process. Yeah. Um, I was an exceptional athlete. Uh, my biggest asset was I was incredibly fast and very kind of puny mm-hmm. as a kid. So I was very wiry and okay. I was also that kid that had no fear. So I was that kid that would dive 20 feet in the air just to catch a ball. <laughs> yeah. um, and because I was fast, my main position was outfield. Okay. Um, played outfield most of my life up until my, you know, uh, 30s and 40s. But as I got older and I, when I moved to Jersey... And I was in I was in two three softball leagues in Brooklyn, mm. um, some very high level leagues and some yeah. just you know neighborhood leagues. Right. Um, but then I moved to Jersey and I'm like, oh my god, what do I do? Because I was technically in the middle of a league when I moved to New Jersey, wow. and and I moved into a condo development, and I saw a guy that lived above me, walking out of his house with a uniform on. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, where do you play? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a softball player. I got, I can't, you know, I just left the league to move yeah. out here. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> excuse me. So he explained to me, he said, we have a really cool league out here, but they do a draft. Really? So you can't actually join the league in the middle. Okay. They could take my name down and put me down as like a substitute. In case somebody got off a bit, got injured, right. or a player left the league and they okay. needed to replace some type of. But anyway, so I had to wait until the next season started. And they do it, it's a draft. So all these managers mm. kind of sit in a room and all these players are rated from like <laughs> one to five. Really? That's. And, and they all draft these players. And the okay. league's been going on for years, so it's kind of like, picture this, it's, you know, they're all trying to kind of cheat their way through it, <laughs> right? They're all trying to lie to each other on who they're going to pick and yeah, all that kind of stuff. I'm funny. not, you know, I'm not there at the draft, but yeah, yeah. I'm watching all this unfold on social media and stuff like that. Hilarious. So yeah. anyway, so I got into the league. I played for, for years mm. at a high level, and then when I lost my IT job, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but it just affected me. It just, for some reason, my focus wasn't there. And I remember like saying, holy shit, like, if I can't play at the level I want to play at or always thought I could, I don't want to play. Because I didn't want to just be that guy that just showed up. Yeah. You know, yeah, so I, and, and over the years, as I got older, I also didn't want to be running around the outfield all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I moved, I transitioned into second base. Okay. So I played outfield most of my life, but then the last few years became a second baseman. I loved second base because it was kind of, you were like in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. Like you were involved in, like I remember when I started playing second base, I was like, when before the game started, I would literally go over to the other team and ask how many lefties they have. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. I want, like, I was that guy. Like, I wanted every ball to come to me, uh, you know. Funny. And um, 
You know, I was that guy that would run out on the field an hour before the game started and just run around practicing. Mm. And, yeah. you know, my passion, you know, everything I do is with passion. Yeah. So, but when that passion drops, it's like I don't ever want to half-ass anything. So when I feel that time is that I can't give it my all, mm. I'd rather move on to something else that I have a passion okay. for. Makes total sense. So, yeah, so that yeah. kind of happened too. You know, again, when the photography, not photography, but when I started going to live shows again, I had, I had to make that decision. Hey, do I want to go to that show? It's on a Thursday night and I have a softball game. Mm. You know, what do you want to do more? And the shows ended up winning right. out. Yeah, taking priority, yep. yep. Yeah, so it's probably like in my early 40s when I stopped playing ball. But I played, we have out here by where I live, we have the Marlboro Softball League, which has been going on for many, many years, huh. decades. And yeah, so it's been really cool. I've loved mm. it. And But now, yeah, now my life is just, everything is just shows. Yeah. You know, yeah. nothing else in my life exists. Yeah. Well, you listen, if, if you ever want to, Dust off those cleats and, and make make one more return for one more game. You let me know. I'll, I'll get you on that. Well, just so you know, and I didn't even say this. I didn't even realize this. So in Brooklyn, back in Brooklyn, I also was a, a fastball pitcher. Really? Uh, yeah, we, we called it modified pitching. It was okay. not windmill. Yep. It was called modified. Um, so I, I was I was a pitcher for many hmm. years, too. <laughs> Do you still pitch? Can you? I could, and that's why I actually was a bowler, yeah. um, you know, because it was the same exact right. motion. Yep, yep. You know, so, uh, yes, I bowled for many years, too. I've been oh. bowling since I'm a kid. You ever get close to a perfect game? Uh, no. I, no. The best I ever did was, like, a 240. All right. Hey, that, that's um, I'm not a great bowler. I was an okay bowler. Okay. I was more of a novelty bowler, I'll kind of put it. Um, right. Uh, if, any, if you, you know, most people out here don't know me from the sports world um <laughs> but um if anybody knew me as a bowler they'll tell you that nobody ever got up on the lane when i was on the lane <laughs> i was what you call a power bowler okay um and i, I literally have broken pins cool. i literally have sitting on my shelf right now in my living room <laughs> pins that i physically have broken um, oh. that have no heads on them that are split I, I, I... i've literally hit pins so hard that the the light would break and you would just see an explosion. I've seen you many times in my life. This is all shot. I would have never taken you for <laughs> for that kind of bowl. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, funny. so it was kind of pretty pretty wild those yeah. years. Um, and, you know, I moved to Jersey and, you know, I bowled in Manalapan. When I came out to Jersey, I bowled in leagues in Manalapan for, you know, probably a good 15 years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was just, you know, that, that was my thing. Mm. My, my nickname was Jetson. Um, that was my sports nickname, and it had nothing to do with the Jetsons, but yeah. back in Brooklyn, when we used to play football against different neighborhoods, mm -hmm. um, I remember them coming up to me after the game, and they would say, dude, you run like you have jets on your feet. Wow. And I would go into school like that Monday, and they would just, mm -hmm. they started calling me Jetson, and I just ran with it. Huh. So that was my sports nickname. Yeah. Okay. So everything I had and owned clothing-wise, everything just said Jetson on it. So great. It wasn't just what you did. It was kind of, you, you know, you had like this identity, so to speak. Right, right. Yep. I hear that. All right, so I have two more questions for you. One, okay. one, one back to, to shows, if that's okay. And then one other question. 
so and any crazy stories that come to mind from a show either that involved you or just that you saw happen before <laughs> you i mean i'm sure there's there's tons and tons and tons but anything well, there that was comes a lot mind, of cool things but yeah. there was one specific one um so in the early days of starland oh yeah not too early but i still as a fan when i used to go you know me and my son used to go to every single show yeah. it didn't matter who it was or what mm. style or genre mm. there was obviously some that he liked more than me or i liked more than him but the whole point was the experience of seeing everything but every now and then a band would come through that i knew or listened to when i was younger that I would be, oh my God, I can't believe this band is coming through. I'm going to get to see them. I'm going to get to take <laughs> pictures of them, you know, that yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So that band for me was a band called The Cult okay. um, yeah, yeah, from yeah. the 80s. Yeah. And I remember saying, oh my God, The Cult is coming to Starland. This is insane. Uh... Oh my God. And uh, <laughs> so there was a in the early days me and my son we used to make this like a like a quest you know how many shows could we go to in consecutive nights you know type <laughs> of a thing you know we you know two three four five six whatever so yeah. this particular stretch was going to be six straight nights oh my goodness. right yeah and remember he's a kid he's a kid <laughs> going to school every day you know so yeah. we were like the third night third or fourth night into the six okay halfway there and the, and the cult is coming and my son had like a sprain he has like a splint on his finger mm. and my wife's like oh let him stay home no he's coming to the show <laughs> you know <laughs> this is this is our thing he's not staying at home you know <laughs> so, so we go to the show and my son is like sitting inside the barricade mm. like on that first step yeah right yep. I know, and he's yeah. just kind of, you know, being a kid, he's just sitting there. Mm. And I'm I'm standing right next to him, and the cult is playing. Sold out show. Wow, all right. Ian Asbury is like, you know, one of my idols. And uh, he's singing, and he kept looking over at us. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know why, <laughs> but he kept just looking at us. Okay. And he eventually walked over to where we were and bent down to the security guard yeah. obviously who was a friend of ours right and he said who are they what and the security what? guard said well they're vips they're here every night at school and he went back to singing <laughs> so, so now weird. we're like what the fuck is he you <laughs> know what is he is worried about or what strange. is he trying to do yeah and um the next thing i know in the middle this is ian asbury from the cult sold out show at starland borough <laughs> Yeah. The next thing I know, he just stops the show. <laughs> and he comes over and he's like, he walks over to like side stage to where his people are. And I guess he had somebody come over and ask like why we were there, like why my son was sitting there. What in the world? So we didn't know what was going on at the time. Yeah. But so when Ian Asbury walked over towards us, my son, like, He's a kid. He's like probably 14 years old, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. He jumps up and he like grabs a water bottle and he's like about to throw a water bottle at the singer. <laughs> and I like grabbed my son's arm and I said, Ian, don't do that. Yeah. Not here. We know everybody. Yeah. Let's just find out what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out that he thought that I was some drunk parent that just dragged my kid to a show and told him to just sit there while I'm at a show. 
<laughs> and because we were also right in front of the stage and the speakers. So he proceeded to give 3,000 people this announcement of me being a terrible father. What? And I, number one, I can't believe this is going on. Come. Number two, the venue can't believe this is going on. This is so, crazy. So security came over to us and said, hey, Jeff, you know, he's given us a hard time. He doesn't want your son where he is. Come on. Just, ha just have Ian come on the side and hang with us. Really? So that's what we did. And then mm -hmm. at the end of the show, my son told me that when he came off the stage, he went over to my son to apologize and said, hey, listen, I just thought your son was some drunk father that dragged you to a show against your will, you know. So wow, it was this weird experience. The one show, crazy. the one band that's like my favorite band in the world, um, you know, oh. I, I literally almost dragged him off the stage. I was going to like beat the shit out of him. So do, <laughs> you do, know? You, do you see him differently now? Well, I don't technically. Yeah. And the funny thing is, a few years later, I did actually photograph them again at PNC <laughs> Bank Art Center. And obviously, he didn't remember my name. He didn't yeah. know my name. Yeah. So, But I was thinking of that. I was thinking, how weird would it be if he actually remembered who I was? Oh, man, that is some story. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, That's it's still great. one of my favorite bands. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I would definitely not go out of my way to see him again. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh wow. So yeah, if you ever if you're ever around my son, don't ever mention the cult. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's 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 something. That's some story. So funny. Wow. All right. So final question for you and re really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man, you got a lot going on, but uh th th this, no this is great. So in a hundred years from now, right? When all this is said and done and we're moved on to a better place, what do you want people to remember the name Jeff Crespi as? Ah, uh, so, um, you know, if you if you followed my journey or if you, I don't know if you've ever looked up, like been on my actual website, my .com site, mm -hmm. and looked at a lot of the documentaries I've done and the podcast I've done and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which would obviously give you a better idea of who I am as a person, not a photographer. Right. So when it's all said and done, the only thing I want people to remember me as is just that guy that just cared. That guy that just cared about the scene as a whole, you know, I, you know, I care about you as a person, you know, so when I'm at shows that I'm talking to fans, you know, they're human beings. I want to treat them yeah. as human beings, right. you know, even the artists like a band, you know, yeah, they might be a musician or a very popular musician, but I don't put anybody on a pedestal. Mm. You know, you're a human yeah. being first. So I don't care how good you play a guitar. I don't care how good you sing. Mm. If you're an asshole, you're an asshole. You know, and I will not give you the time of day for being an asshole. So, yeah, I, I want people to remember me as that person that just cared about people, just cared about the fans, not just the bands per se. So that's pretty much it. Oh, great. Well, I got to say, out of all the times I've seen you, you've, you've always been so respectful, always said hi to everyone, always gave everyone, like you said, the same amount of respect, no matter who they were. So I could definitely vouch for that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I let like I said, the early yeah. days was about just that, was meeting yeah. people at the shows. You know, yeah. most of the pictures I took were not of the bands. Mm. They yeah. were of the fans. Yeah. They were like me and my son with each group of people as we met them yeah. at each show. True. I mean, I've seen it. So, all right. So, Jeff, where could people, I know you mentioned your website, Instagram, all that stuff. Where can people find you and keep up with the latest uh, pictures and, and information on Jeff Crespi Rocks? Well, that's it. It's very simple. It's Jeff Crespi Rocks across the board. Okay. 
there is no other place (laughs) yeah great you know perfect so we're gonna link those uh those sites and those links to this website the the websites to this episode so everybody could find you nice and easy and give you a follow and and just check out all the things you do because you do wonderful work out there thank you very much yeah we really appreciate your time and looking forward to seeing you at the next show thank you i really appreciate it and you guys have a great day all right jeff have a good one thank you you got it bye-bye Hey, Alex. Yeah? Tell these fine-looking people where they can find us. Well, they could find us on Instagram at AnythingGoesPodNY, on Twitter at AnythingGoesNY, and shoot us an email at AGPodNY at gmail.com. That's right. And y'all can listen to all of our episodes on any streaming platform where podcasts can be found. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Because anything goes with Greg and Alex. Phone home, phone home, phone home! Thanks for listening to the Anything Goes podcast with Greg and Alex. See you real soon. Suckers.